I've either cut my mic on or cut it off. There we go. I did cut it on. I did good. Thank you, Philip. Uh, thank you, Pastor. Um, so if you guys did not pick up on that, if you want to know where Sunday school is or where it's maybe moved to, don't ask the pastor. Just ask the Sunday school teachers. They'll tell you where it's at. Uh, we, uh, we do a lot of moving and shaking around here, so that's a good thing. Um, you see here, I got a, I got a little uh, help. I need to volunteer later on, so just be thinking about uh, who may want to volunteer. Uh, you do get a prize. It's a bottle of water at the end. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, some high high stakes. So, um, again, thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning. Um, I appreciate uh, Pastor giving me uh, the opportunity. Don't take this lightly. Um, this is a place that uh, uh, that God calls you to. And and um, uh, found out Tuesday morning during staff meeting that I was preaching, and um, Paul was a little taken back that I wasn't more nervous. Than I was because he found out he was preaching a few weeks later, and I, I said, "Well, I, I guess at this point, you know, I figure it ain't up to me anyway. So, I, I, there ain't no ain't no sense of me being real nervous about it. it. It ain't up to me. If it's up to me, then I would be. Um, but it's up to him. And uh, and I, I really feel um, I really feel God has given a, a, a message for us this morning. Not 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 for you. I'm not up here teaching and, and lecturing. Uh, I'm 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 learning with you, and I'm growing with you. And this is a message for us." This is a message for his people. This is his words full of, of stuff for us. And, and we never get so grown, so sanctified that we, we've reached perfection. Not on this side of glory, at least. So we're all still growing. And uh, we're going to grow together this morning. So uh, if you will, let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll dive into God's word. God, thank you again for the opportunity, God, to preach your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. God, the, the words that you've written, that you, uh, that you, 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 you had pinned down, um, God, so many years ago, God, uh, are alive and breathing, and God, they cut um, uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I pray through your Holy Spirit, God, you'd help it to sink into our hearts today, God, that we walk out, God, not just hearing a message, God, but experiencing your word. And God, we don't need to uh, just to be a part of, of, of a reading of your word. We need to experience it. God, I prohibit us to do that this morning. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Amen. We'll be in uh, James chapter number three this morning. Uh, James chapter number three. So if you got your Bible or something with your Bible on it, uh, we'll be in James chapter number three. Uh, again, I'll, I'll have a volunteer um, later on come up and help me, but uh, uh, share a quick story with you. Um, a husband and wife were driving together down the highway and they noticed a mule on the side of the road. The husband looked at his wife and said, there goes one of your relatives. She replied, yep, I know. By marriage. Um, you know, and, and our mouth can get us in trouble sometimes, can't it? And uh, that husband found himself in trouble. And uh, uh, we have all found ourselves uh, in that kind of trouble with our mouth. And uh, so we're going to look at that this morning. Um, we're going to look at a message uh, entitled, Watch Your Mouth. Um, how many of you heard that growing up? Uh, yeah. And, uh, well, we're going to hear it this morning, not from me, but from James, from the Lord uh, this morning. So let's read, starting in verse number one of James chapter number three. The Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, and that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, 
are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. We're going to look this morning at what James has written for us. Uh, and I believe he's saying, watch your mouth. And as believers, we got to learn from what James says. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's look at verses one and two real quickly. I, I, as, I, as I began to pin down, I, 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 knew I, needed, I knew we had Sunday school presentations. I needed to work on time. I, I don't want to keep you here long, but, uh, but I do want to make sure we get exactly what God wants for us this morning. Verses one and two, we see a warning against being teachers uh, because they'll be judged and graded by the Lord in a much stricter way than others since they're handling the word of God in a teaching capacity. James states that those that teach should realize the potential weight and influence that their words can carry since words lie at the heart of every teaching. To have an unreliable tongue can provide a destructive model for those being taught. In other words, we are all expected to be cautious with our words, but as a teacher, that caution is increased tenfold. Greater the influence, greater the judgment. James says in this passage that we all, even himself, so, so James says that he's included in this. When he says, uh, in many things we offend all. He's included himself in there. He said, we. I'm including myself in there. I'm saying we. You're included in that. And the we says, we offend all. He said that uh, we all sin with our words, but the man who can bridle his tongue is perfect. And that word means complete. We know none of us is perfect, right, outside of Jesus. But, but, but we can be complete uh, with, with the Holy Spirit, right? and able to bridle the whole body. Back in James 1.26, we see James states, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. So we see just two chapters prior, James is saying, hey, look, the, the, the tongue is a very, very important part of, of the Christian walk. It's very vital to how we are seen amongst not just people, but how we're seen by God. So I want to look at three things this morning. I think God has, has shown us in these passages, in these verses uh, here, there's three parts of it. First, the tongue is full of influence. In verses three through five, James shows us some parallels to what the world, uh, in the world that the tongue is like, bits in horses' mouths, rudders on a ship, and a spark on the dry tender of ground. How many of you ever rode a horse before? Raise your hand. How many of you have been thrown off a horse? Raise your hand. <laughs> That's fun, isn't it? Well, well, 
I wondered, as, as, as I read this earlier this week, and, and the Lord led me to, to this passage, I wondered about that, about that horse. And who was the first person that said, hey, let me, let me put together these pieces of metal and, and some leather, and let me try to stick it in this horse's mouth. And let me see how that goes. You know, I, I, we, we see the, the byproduct after it got perfected, it works really good. You get a bit in the horse's mouth and you can lead him. You can, you can tell it what to do. You can, you know, neigh and ray. And I don't know why, Frida's got to help me with the words. She's a, a horse person. But th th there's, there's direction you can give if, that, if, that, if the reins are in your hand and the bit is in the horse's mouth. I don't know how it went for those first few folks that tried it. But for us on the backside, it works really good. And by the way, if you don't like riding horses now, you probably better get used to it because we, the, the Scripture tells us we, we're coming back with Jesus on some horses. So uh, you might want to start trying to ease into that a little bit. Uh, I know he'll, he'll make up for what we're not, but you might want to start to try that. But a bit is very small compared to the size of a horse, yet when used correctly, it can allow the rider to influence the horse on what it wants him to do. A rudder. On a ship, and again, thinking from when James is writing, uh, not not giant cruise ships, not not fancy uh, uh, jet boats or bass boats, but he's thinking of, of the big wooden ships they have, you know, that, that have sails, and and that's how they're powered. Well, they've got a they got a rudder, and compared to the ship, just like they are now, those rudders are very small. So a, a rudder small compared to the size of a ship, yet it steers the massive vessel to keep it on course for its desired destination. Uh, the Isis was the ship that uh, was used to transport uh, Paul across the Mediterranean en route to Rome, and, and you know that story. Uh, it, but it could carry upward to a thousand people, and 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 yet it was directed by that little turn of the rudder. And we all know from Smokey the Bear that only you can prevent forest fires, right? They've changed that a little bit and say only you can prevent wildfires. But how many remember that growing up? Why did we always hear that? Only you can prevent forest fires. Why? Because it just takes a little bit of spark, a little bit of, uh, of ash, a little bit of, of a flame, and, and thousands of acres are burning. You know, we see wildfires out west every year. That's, that's natural, but sometimes it's become because some doofus uh, threw a cigarette out the road and they hadn't had rain in three months, you know. And that little bit of spark wound up setting thousands of acres of land aflame. James speaks here of the great influence of our words uh, and they can, they can have on a much larger scale around us. So, so what are our words? What's the... What, 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 what's, what power does our tongue have? We see, we see some of the side effects, some of the, 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 the effects that James speaks of. But look back in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Literal, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Matthew 12 and 36. This sunk in pretty hard. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So the tongue is full of influence. Our tongue has influence. First, our tongue has influence. Second, the tongue is full of iniquity. Proverbs 16 and 27 and 28. It says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and his lips therefore or there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. 
So it's full of influence, and now we see it's full of iniquity. Verses 6 through 8, here in James, we see that the tongue is a gateway to our heart. I don't know if, if you, you know that, but if you didn't, uh, newsflash, um, our hearts outside of the presence of the Holy Spirit are wicked. Um, so, so kids, adults, anybody under the sound of my voice, uh, we got we to gotta push back against the, the narrative that every Disney movie has given us since when I was a little boy all the way up until now. What, what, what was the overarching uh, you know, message to every Disney movie? Follow your heart, right? Follow your heart. Please don't follow your heart. You want to know uh, the truth about that heart you're following? Well, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful among, above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, so let's, let's don't take that, that follow the heart theme. Let's, let's back up off of that. We, we see here, verses 6 to 8, that the tongue is a gateway to our heart and our hearts are wicked and outside of the presence of the Holy Spirit that, that that's what we're going to get. So James is echoing here that our tongue being the conduit for our heart is full of iniquity. It defiles the whole body and is set on fire of hell. The term there used is Gehenna. It was a, it was a valley of Hanan that they used outside of Jerusalem. They threw trash and it was just kind of this burning heat. That that's where they take trash. And, and really, up until recently, it was still burning because they still just dump trash into this valley. And that's, that is what that picture is it's always burning that that's when when they when when the when the people of Israel read this when when the people around Jerusalem read this they knew what that meant that it's set on fire always burning he tells us that while all kinds of animals have been tamed no man outside of the power of the Holy Spirit can tame the tongue but so does that mean verses two let's read that again for in many things we offend all if any man offend not in word the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body Verse 8 says, but the tongue can no man tame. So does that mean they contradict? No, it doesn't. What it means, it says no man can tame. So we cannot tame our tongue, but he can if we allow him to. So if we go out the same way if we try to do anything else on our own, we can, we can kind of go through the motions, but eventually we're going to fail, we're going to fall because we can't do it outside of him. We can't tame our tongue. Outside of him, he said, Pastor, Dale, why, why are we looking? What's so important about the tongue? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit to you this morning that the tongue, by the time we get done with this, the tongue is going to be a, a very important thing that you, you'll think about, at least, for the, at least for the afternoon. Maybe you'll forget about it tomorrow. Maybe this week it'll dwindle. But, 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 but for today, we're going to see how important James and the Lord says the tongue is. So outside of him, the Holy Spirit in us, He's right, we can't tame the tongue. Luke 6 and 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the, for of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So we, hear, we see here in Luke 6 that we, we, we have evidence that, that, that what comes out of here didn't just come out of here, came out of here. I had to challenge a brother one time. I ran into him uh, at, at, in the parking lot of a store, and and um, and he said, uh, you know, that he had he'd gotten into some kind of altercation, and 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 uh, it was a guy I knew, and he got into some altercation. He said, "Well, I, I said some things I didn't mean. I, I I'd had a few drinks, and, and I just I said some things I didn't mean." 
I said, no, hold on. Don't, don't give Satan credit for, for, for what you ought to be taking. I said, I'm going to be honest with you, brother, because I, I felt like I could have this conversation with him. I said, you said those things because they were in your heart. The alcohol just kind of maybe helped not buffet it so much. But, but, but you said what came out of your mouth because it was in your heart. So what comes out of our mouth is in our heart. We've heard that saying a long time that um, uh, half a truth is said in jest. Um, uh, all the truth comes out of our mouth because it's in our heart. We're reminded some people um, who wouldn't dare use vulgar language will jump right into gossip and criticize. Uh-oh, I'm on. There's either going to be passionate more people here next week or less people here next week. I don't know. We're going to see. Let me read that again. Some people who wouldn't dare use vulgar language will jump right into gossip and criticize. Hey, this is a we, this is a we thing today, okay? This ain't me again over a topic. This is us, okay? God gives us each different gifts, and I truly believe some people think he's given them the gifts of gossip. That ain't one of them. Why do I think that? Because they use it often. And, and you know what? You and you, you, two things are happening right now. You're thinking about somebody who you think fits that description. And if you aren't, it might be you. Okay? So, so this is one of those things we've got to examine ourselves. Full of deadly poison. That's what James says our tongue is. Full of iniquity. Matthew 12 and 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. So we see the tongue is full of influence. The tongue is full of iniquity. The tongue is also full of inconsistency. Verses 9 through 12. Our tongues, sometimes like our lives, are inconsistent. James says we bless God and then curse men who are made in the image of God. Let this sink in. James says this ought not so to be. How do we bless God on Sunday morning and then are rude, mean, or hateful in speech to our server during the after church lunch? Image bearer. Imago Dei. It's Latin for image bearer. I want you to remember that word. Image bearer. Everybody is an image bearer. This means people who you don't agree with socially, economically, politically. It was quiet in the house. Those you don't agree with about churches or denominations, or sports teams, fill in the blank. The people that you don't agree with are image bearers of their creator. This means that there is a, there is a level of, of dignity that everybody cares, carries because we're all image bearers. Now, they may be lost as a ball in tall grass. That doesn't change who they are. They're created by a creator, a God who loved them so much that he gave them an opportunity to be saved through the sacrifice of his son, just like he gave us. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, it created he, him. Male and female created he, them. So we, I think we've gotten so, we've gotten so visceral uh, in, 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 in our society, and I think maybe that's crept into the church, that, that because we disagree with somebody about something, that, that, that now we can't, we can't love them. We can't even talk to them. We can't like them. 
We, we, we hope they get a flat tire. We hope they, we hope they uh, fill in the blank. We, we can't even communicate with people that we don't agree with. Yet, what does the Bible say? Everybody is an image bearer. That means they have intrinsic worth. You know, our founding documents of our, of our country said that all men were created equal. But guess what? We didn't get that right till, till, till 100 years, 200 years later, Right? Because if everybody is, 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 is intrinsically has value, then that means everybody really does. So if we see everybody not from, not from our perspective, but from God's order, that everybody's an image bearer, I believe that begins to change some things. All right. Uh, I need, I need a, a, a volunteer, and I, I volunteer Brent. Um, my buddy, my friend, Oh, you see this brand new bottle of water I'm opening up, okay? All right. There. All right, I'm going to leave. That's your, that's, your, uh, that's, your, that's your prize after. So stand right here for me. So, Brent, I, w- I want you to, all right, the clean water, I promise you, um, take a sip of that cup right there on your right. Everybody see him? Is this a yep, sip? All right. What does that taste like? Water. Water, just, just plain water. All right, take a sip of that cup to your left. Sip, sip. That's toilet water. No, no, what is it? No, just kidding. That's salt water. What is it? What is it? That's salt water. Okay, you can have your body. Y'all give it up for Brent. So, Brent, hold your bottle of water up on your way down. I meant to keep that, but um, I have one. So, here we go. So, pretend this is the bottle that I poured it out of. Now, I poured, now what you didn't know, there was a little bit of water in here already, right? But I poured water in both of these things. Now, Brent, did, did, did the water in this cup come from the same place that the water in this cup came from? Well, but there's salt in this one, right? So it, it didn't come, it's not the same, is it, right? So th- these two cups, that I, I poured that in there just to trick him because I didn't want him to think I was messing with him. But, but th- this has got salt water in it and this has got fresh water in it. How many of you know that you're not gonna go to any place on earth where you can get fresh water and salt water out of the same place, right? You're not. Once, once water gets salt in it, it's salt water. Ever been to the beach and been like, hey, I'm, I'm thirsty, I'm going to drink some ocean water? You regret that later, right? It makes you more thirsty. So that's why people who get stranded in the ocean, um, they get desperate, they start drinking uh, ocean water and they dehydrate because it's not fresh water. It's not good for you. And it doesn't come from the same place. Ecclesiastes 5, 2 and 3 says, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. If we are to control our tongues, then we must control our hearts. If we are to control our tongues, we must control our hearts. Everyone stick your tongues out real quick. I'm wrapping up. Like, like way out like you go to the doctor. Uh, uh, your neighbor said, put it back in, okay. Why do they do that when we go to the doctor? Apparently, and it's been done for hundreds of years, but they still do it. It's very, it's very primitive, but it, it works. Because apparently, the doctor can look in our mouth and tell a lot about our overall health. Apparently, looking into their mouth, they say, hey, I can tell if they're sick or not. I can tell how healthy they really are. 
The same is true spiritually. If we want to see how healthy we are spiritually, how much like Jesus we really are all, we have, excuse me, how, how much Jesus we really are, all we have to do is to take a listen to our speech. That's what James is telling us here in James chapter 3. We want to know how healthy we are spiritually. We want to know how, how close of a walk we are with Jesus. I just, just step back and listen to our own self. Let's ask other people who are close to us, who are maybe some accountability partners, hey, what's my speech like? Because I promise you what comes out of the heart is going to come out of the mouth, the Bible says. So what comes out of here is going to be indicative of what's in here. I'm going to stop right here, and I really am wrapping up, I promise. I was debating on, on, on how, to, how to work this in. But I think it's very important because James writes in a day when uh, the written word is, 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 is very um, primitive still. It's on uh, documents that don't last for, you know, 100 years. Uh, they don't have, there's nothing, nothing digital. There's no such thing as electricity. But, but that's different for us today. I believe if James is writing this today, the Lord probably nudges him to add a few things to what we see. But, but I think it's here. We just got to make sure we apply it well. So if the tongue is an extension of our heart, and, and there's all this caution about what comes out of our mouth, we got to realize that, that our fingers, our keyboard, our, our phones, our, our tablets, those things are an extension of our, of our, of our tongue today. I see, I have, if you don't see me put a whole lot up on, on, on any social media, there's a reason for it. There was a time where I would try to debate people on Twitter and, and, and get in conversations with people on, on Facebook or whatever. But you know what? I said, it's not worth it. I, I'm not going to change that in mind. I'm not going to change mine. And all I'm doing is giving an opportunity for people to see an unbelieving world, to see that, that, that Christians fight just like the world does. We have got to pump the brakes on what we type as much as we do on what we say because the keyboard is an extension of our tongue. I know that hurts. I know you want to tell somebody they're wrong, and they might be. But just because we can doesn't mean we should. See, in America, we have the right to free speech, right? But as believers we're compelled to love with restrained speech. So who's holding the reins of your life? Who steers the rudder of your heart? Who tempers the spark of your tongue? Well, I submit to you this morning, it better be the Holy Spirit because left to us alone, James tells us exactly the kind of damage our tongues and our hearts can do. 1 Peter 3 5 and 16, 15 and 16 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Don't miss that part. With meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. We're cautioned here. There's things for us to say, and there's ways for us to say it, and there's things that we stay as far away from as we can. Larry Estes and uh, Tyler Montgomery and some of those guys, they'll recognize some of these. You may see some of these. They won't say this anymore, 
But this is a warning. It's a Southern Bell Underground Cable sign. You see that? Uh, uh, when they put telephone lines underground, you think, what's a telephone line? Who's got those anymore, right? But when they put those underground, in fact, there's one over here that you can't even read anymore. It's so old. But this was Southern Bell. This was AT&T a long time ago and uh, before it was Bell South. And uh, this is a cable, I mean, a, a sign about an underground cable that says, before digging, excavating, boring, et cetera, in this vicinity, please call. Why did they want you to do that? Because they didn't want you to dig and cut the line because there was a line up under the ground. Now you say, well, I see the line coming up the pole. I, I see it maybe going from pole to pole. I see it going from the pole to my house. But I, I didn't know that line was underground until I saw this warning sign. So you, you very visible to see the line overhead coming to your house, but the underground needed a warning sign. So this is, a, this is exactly how we are. We see, we see the line coming out of our mouth, but what we've got to be cautious of is that underground line because that's really the source. We, we, we cut that, we, we get rid of that, and then we don't have any communication after that. See, we've got to know where the source of this is. I go out here, and, and, and I don't know nothing about telephone. My granddaddy and Tyrone and all them guys did. If something's wrong with the telephone, I'm going to call somebody because I don't, I don't know how to fix it. But if something around was the phone, they start and they start working uh, the trouble. They're trying to find where the trouble is. And, and, and if it's out here at the house, they're going to work back to the pole, to the source of where it came from. If there's trouble out here, we've got to work back to the source because that's where it came from. At the end of the day, it may not be so much what people say to you when you're in a room that is really telling about your speech as a Christian. It may be rather questions people ask when you leave the room. Where does he come from? Where does she belong? Do we speak like someone who sounds a little like Jesus because we've come to the realization that only because of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have assurance of redemption and renewal in him. At the end of the day, this is what spiritual maturity looks like or sounds like because of the transformation of the use of our tongue. I promise you, I know from personal experience, when, when there's times when, when I, I made a, an effort to get closer to the Lord uh, more than just, just kind of treading water, but, but I really wanted to dive deep with the Lord. The Lord changed my speech because he changed my heart. That, that, that's the way it works. So I challenge you this morning. I don't, I don't know what you think my speech is like. Man, y'all come on up. I don't know what, um, what, what others around you can say of your speech. But that's, a, that's an indicator of where our heart is. And, and let me tell you, there was a song um, that uh, DC talked did years ago. Um, and it was uh, entitled, What If I Stumble? And at the beginning of that, that they said something uh, like this. I, I didn't get it word for word. Um, but what the, what, what the lost people in the world find most unbelievable is when Christians act the way we do in here and when they go out there and we act completely different. So that's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. When we worship in here in spirit and truth, when we greet each other with, with good words, with encouragement, with, 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 with blessing, and we go out and we, we, we let cursing Follow. I'm not talking about just words, curse words, coarse words. The Bible says we're going to give an account for everything we say. That's, that should be chilling to us. It's chilling to me. And what I'm saying 
is what's in here. And if what I'm letting come out is not lining up with Scripture, it's not lining up with what the Lord wants me to, then i got to fix it here. It's not a muzzle that's going to fix it. It's, it's, it's some heart work. It's surgery. I, I'm not going to show you because I'd show you too much of myself. But I had shoulder surgery several years ago, and I got scars. Some of you got surgery, you got scars. That wasn't, it wasn't, it was painful to go through that. It was, it was painful for the rehab, but guess what? It was necessary that I got better. It was necessary that I could get over what was ailing me. It was necessary for me to get stronger, to get better. Sometimes surgery is never probably going to feel great, but it's necessary for us. If you would bow your head, close your eyes. I'm done this morning. I felt like that the Lord wanted us to take a look at James chapter number three for a reason. Because so many times our speech is telling of who we are and where we are and our walk with him. You know, we're not ever going to be perfect on this side of glory. But we can work towards sanctification. We can work towards being that perfect man that, that James says. The same as a perfect man, a complete man. We can be so much like Jesus because of the Holy Spirit in us, because we move ourselves out of the way. We allow ourselves to be put on the table for surgery. And maybe it's been a while since you said, Lord, I don't, I don't know exactly what that surgery looks like, but I'm going to walk into the hospital. I'm going to get ready for pre-op, and I'm going to let you do what you need to do. And if with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, <clears throat> how many of us in this room today with a raised hand can say, I don't need any surgery whatsoever? Amen. That's what I thought. Because all of us are works in progress. All of us have something that God needs to work on us with. Maybe it's what James says here in James 3. Our speech, <clears throat> our tongue is a very, very influential thing. It's full of iniquity, full of inconsistency. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, it can bring life. Proverbs says it. Life and death. So just as well as we can kill, we can, we can bring to life people. We can bring to life things. But it's whether or not we will allow Jesus <clears throat> through his Holy Spirit to work in us. To have a, have a speech that honors him. No matter if the guy in front of us pulled, pulled out and cut us off. No matter if, if, if the person that's checking us out is rude. No matter if we don't agree with the bumper sticker on the person in front of us. No matter if so-and-so online said that 